What's going on, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of Trigger. This is Trigger's number 412 here on Tuesday, November 1st, one week before the 2022 midterm elections. And it is a special episode today because we have no Matt here, and instead we've improved the show, and we have Spencer Brown here with us, exclusively co-hosting, exclusive, all caps. Big exclusive. Exclusive. Big Big exclusive. exclusive. Yeah, Matt is, uh, I don't know, maybe he won't ever come back. Yeah. Got to see how this goes. Well, only he would be like, yeah, let me take a vacation day one week before the election. One week. I mean, what could, there's nothing happening. You know. We didn't see 10 race ratings from Cook change in one day today. All in one direction, I think, this time again. All to Republicans, yeah. Yeah, and when Cook is saying that it's going to be a red wave, you know it's going to be a red wave because they're about as liberal as it gets, along with Larry Sabato's crystal ball into the liberal circle that is uh, UVA election politics now. Yeah. It's pretty sad, by the way. I used to read him a lot. Oh, yeah. Like, pre-Donald Trump, he was pretty fair. And yeah. then Trump broke him. I mean, we're basically the same age. We're like, what, is it a week or two, two weeks, apart? Whatever. Yeah. We're very close in age or whatever. And so I feel like both of us, growing up as young conservatives, like, the people that we grew up listening to and following as political nerds yeah, totally. into college, then, like, we graduate, and as Trump is, you know, becoming the Trump wave, yep. and we had to, like, recalibrate everything that we read, listen, watch, and whatever, because he broke so yep. many people, literally for good, because now they've never recovered. Oh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, like, the Weekly Standard people that totally led to the collapse of their publication. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, too, is, like, it, it would have been one thing if it, so many people just didn't see there being a possibility where Trump would win and he would govern and he would govern yeah. as, like, a tried-and-true conservative and admit that they're wrong, but they got it wrong and then continued to insist that they weren't wrong mm-hmm. even as the reality was unfolding and conservatives in general were like, what are you doing? This is our guy. Well, to put it in a gambling analogy, because oh, everybody boy. knows I love to gamble, yeah. you know, they basically lost three or four times and then continued quadrupling down on those losses yeah. until they were dead broke. Yep. And there you go. Yeah, two weeks. So I started working here right after I graduated college. And two weeks after that was when Trump announced. He came yep. down the escalator and announced that he was I running. I literally to, still remember I was finishing an internship that summer. And I remember sitting in, like, the lobby of that office I was interning in watching that happen live. And everybody in that room was like, this is absurd. What is happening? Like, Mm -hmm. how, like, this guy from Celebrity Apprentice is running for president? And within, like, two or three weeks, it was clear that, like, oh, no, this is not a publicity stunt. Like, he's actually gunning for this. And then the rest is history. And, like you said, there's still, like... These people won't let go of the fact that they are not on our side anymore. Yep. And someone today tweeted, I forget who it was, about like, oh, there's going to be a lot of crappy Republicans that win next week mm. because it's a red wave year. And I'm like, well, if you were still a Republican, you'd say that any Republican is better than a Democrat. Yeah. Have you seen what they've done to this country? Well, right. And even, I mean, look, we've got the crappy Republicans as is with the Lisa Murkowskis and the whoever's that are currently there, but we need them to keep it from being just an absolute blowout, you know, Democrat majority running through anything they want, which is why Joe Biden has continually said he doesn't just need, uh, you know, one Senate pickup. He needs a majority plus two Mm -hmm. because he also has crummy members of his conference uh, in the Senate. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. And look at where like the, uh, 
like as far as if you're looking at sort of trickle down from the res- the like never trump resistors from 2016 they're like evan mcmuffin who's not running <laughs> yeah. as a republican and is a yeah. joke in general uh and so the like most of the republicans who are winning in these key states and districts are not the never trump weekly standard anointed no well remember i forget what it was 10 i think it was 10 voted for impeachment yeah only one survived the primary yes and it's possible that he loses next week because republicans mm-hmm. abandon him um that's valdeo in california yeah um yeah. i think he probably still hold on and win but i mean it's pretty clear what the party wants right right the base has decided and i think you're kind of seeing it still happen here remember they just wanted trumpism to go away yep and that's not going to happen no and really the maga movement and America First movement is the base for this red tsunami that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Republicans are winning big time with independents, but the base has to turn out. Yes. Um, you know, another poll came out. I mean, there's a million polls now, so... Too many. We're going to run through them. Altogether pretty. too many. Because to be clear, there's basically all of the last polls of this cycle are either being conducted or released this week. Yeah. So, like, Friday is kind of the deadline for that, because why would you survey past that? I think last week I called it a polling orgy. Uh, so that's where we are right now. Yeah. We got a Matt article he wrote about this poll. Too bad he's not here to explain it. Wow. Um, even – so the, the the new thing now, real quickly, before we jump into all these, the new thing now is it's Republican paid for and slanted polling that's right. driving the red tsunami narrative. Yep. And so the left countered with their New York Times and Siena College poll, mm-hmm. um, which even still shows – a R plus three advantage mm-hmm. nationally, and uh, or it's R plus four. Oh, no, 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 that's a different poll. Okay, yeah. Mr. Producer's got a lot of polls here, so um, <laughs> Micah, he's on those polls like Stormy Daniels. Should have, oh boy, um, should have color coded him at least for our. <laughs> so it's R plus three in their liberal poll, which, and all of these, as you'll see with the mainstream media, as they did with this New York Times Siena College poll, is they see one data point and they're like, see. Yeah. Everything else that you're experiencing is not real. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case. Because at the same time the New York Times was doing this poll, Republicans, the the NRCC, started doing ad buys in three districts that are Biden plus 20. Yeah. So if overall the Republicans have a plus three, there's no way that the NRCC is buying in a Biden plus 20 district, nor is the DCCC, mm-hmm. their version of it, are they moving retreating moving money from a Biden plus I think it was like plus 8 district to a Biden plus 14 district right so context. you know anybody who works in you know pol- political fields campaigns any of that knows to follow the money yes and when the money starts moving like that it's very clear that Republicans are on the offense Democrats big time yes. de- defending and they before every, I'm sure we'll get to it. Before all the Paul Pelosi thing happened, Nancy Pelosi was still very active on the campaign trail, trying to shake money out of people. And she made a trip to Minnesota to try to shake the last bit of money she could out of Minnesota Democrats to try to pay for Democrat congressional mm-hmm. races in my home state. Uh, and it also comes at the same time that the D trip has been shaking down its own Democrat lawmakers, people currently serving in the House of Representatives, to pay their dues because that's how low on cash they are with a week to go. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean. You look at these, the best numbers that the Democrats can seem to find is like R plus two or three. Mm-hmm. And even that would be enough for us to take control, probably win control of the Senate as well. Yep. Um, but Trafalgar, who is my favorite, yes. uh, Republicans holding a R plus six, six-point lead in the, in the congressional generic ballot, 
and Robert, I always f*** up his last name, uh, Kehali? That's a great question. Kaley? I don't think I've ever actually said it out loud. I've read it a million times. Yeah, exactly. Robert from Trafalgar. Guy. Guy's yeah. the one who did the interview with him. He would know the last name. He would know. Uh, <laughs> he says that that could even grow a little bit more. Six points is a pretty significant lead. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, the biggest thing is independence. There are some polls showing leads as big as 16 points among independents for Republicans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wall Street Journal poll came out this morning showing uh, independent women swinging by, like, 20 yeah. points. Yeah. Um, the, like, the last minute decision voters are clearly breaking for Republicans in a very big way. And I think part of that, like in a lot of these polls, whether it's Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, other places, you had the undecideds remaining in like double digit territory up until basically last week or a week and a half ago. And I think they really were kind of holding out, hoping like, well, maybe something will turn around and I can feel okay about voting for a Democrat or something. Mm -hmm. But just nothing has broken Biden or the Democrats way. And you have crime getting even worse. The economy's totally tanked. We're probably going to have another interest rate hike tomorrow when the Fed meets. We've got the jobs report coming out on Friday for October. That's just going to show probably even more people leaving the workforce. And so I think all these last minute people who were undecided up until basically now are all breaking for Republicans because they're like, you know what, I gave you the full campaign cycle to make a case for why I should vote for a Democrat, and they just have made none of those arguments because they've all been screeching about abortion and things that are like, no, that's not, like... Global warming, January 6th, uh, abortion big time. um, And they finally have pivoted to, like, try to talk about the economy and healthcare. But they Um, only talk about it with abortion, which is funny to me because they can't totally get rid of it, so they'll be like... The number one issues, or they'll talk about the biggest issues in this election are the economy in addition to abortion, as if it's secondary to that. And it's like, no, this is, I can't, I'm not even on all the time, but every time I've been on, we have talked about the number of Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck, the number of Americans who are racking up credit card debt like nobody's business, the fact that the interest rates are going up because of what the Fed is doing. Like, all of this is unsustainable, and it's going to come crashing. Yep. And... Really, the only hope, like, Joe Biden has had a lot of time at this point to do that damage along with the Democrats in Congress. But, like, if we want to try to limit the damage, I don't think there's a soft landing opportunity at this point. But to minimize that and to keep it from getting worse, people are realizing they have to vote for a Republican. Oh, yeah. No, the soft landing is missed. We're totally on that standpoint. So, interestingly enough, uh, regular listeners of Triggered know that the thing that I've been talking about is my big sleeper pick of this is the New Hampshire Senate race. Yeah. As I said, there's a lot of independents up there, a lot of late-breaking deciders. And according to the the last poll, I think, to come out of New Hampshire, um, and it was done by St. St. Anselm College? Yeah, St. Yeah. An- is that how you say it? Anselm? Anselm? I have no idea. But I do know that I'm it's a I'm not a coastal elitist to know I'm from Minnesota. We don't know <laughs> how to say any of these fancy schools. I do know that it's as far as New Hampshire polls go, it's a pretty respected poll. Yeah. Um, and, they, and it's got a big sample. Yeah, big sample, 1,541 likely voters, has Boldick up one, uh, which has led Real Clear Politics to switch the rating on New Hampshire mm-hmm. to a GOP pickup, yep. which at this point would be tremendously massive. Would put us at four pickups, Yep. net four. Um, so that would be big and which is just crazy. Cause remember literally like a month and a half ago, the mainstream media narrative was Democrats were picking up seats mm-hmm. that went that changed quick. Yeah. And I think also in the New Hampshire one, as I was talking about earlier, like the context and taking everything as a whole, like look at the spread trend 
in the polling average mm-hmm. for this race. So you had back in the... You just got rid of it. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, there uh, Mr. Producer, I need a better <laughs> co-host. So I'm used to having my computer. From, I'm computer. sorry. <laughs> You're welcome for using my computer. But yeah, so you had uh, sort of halfway through October, it was Maggie Hassan was up six. Yeah. Then fast forward like two days, it was Hassan plus three. Then another two days, it was only Hassan plus one. And then you go another two days and it's Bulldog plus one. Mm-hmm. And so obviously the average still has... Hassan up a little bit, but as real clear noted, the momentum and the trend yep. is and in the Republicans' polls trips. in the last uh, two cycles, underestimating the GOP by 3.8 points in yeah. New Hampshire. So it's interesting. I, I really like that tool that they added, by the way. I yes. don't know if you've looked at it a lot. Oh, yeah. No, I've been looking at it a lot because additions and changes that they've made to their polling averages and just how they present the data is so helpful. Yeah, because Big it's man. isn't it interesting how basically in every single state, it's always underestimating the GOP. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which is a problem that the pollsters have acknowledged themselves that they have going back now to 2016, but they've done nothing to fix. Yeah. And they also have still not done anything to address the fact that, like, my dad trolls pollsters when they call yeah. him. Like, he lives in Wisconsin. He gets polled all the time, and he always messes with them because he thinks it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't even know if there's any way to actually ever fix that no and i feel like that's kind of but uh, they don't acknowledge it at all that was a big change of the trump years too because mm-hmm. that really wasn't done a lot before well, um, everybody mocked him for talking about his silent majority yeah and then it's like yeah actually all of these trump voters have been trolling the pollsters because they again think it's hilarious there's no consequence for them yep uh but it just shocks everybody else when the polls are completely wrong which they acknowledge they were wrong but they don't do anything to fix and so now uh decision desk which is our official elections result partner, and we'll have full coverage, obviously, on election night with all the up-to-the-minute data from them. Their latest projection just switched for the first time in the cycle that Republicans will win majority control in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty big. And you see the same on, I think it's 538, right? Yep. Um, and also, who else? Who were they bashing? My favorite was they bashed 538 as a conservative. Yeah. Thing. And I was like, uh, isn't it owned by the New York Times? Yep. I'm just, I, I'm already excited oh, Axios. for all of, the, all of the needles that we're going to have uh, next week showing, you know, likelihood yep. of majority and whatever and see what see what they start out. Are they going to needle it? At. You remember that one year they're like, we're not doing the needle anymore? Because <laughs> well, after 2016, <laughs> it was at a 90 whatever percent chance Hillary Clinton wins the presidency. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just ran out of gas. Yeah, that was a fun night. Yeah, that was bad. Let's see. So now I think I want to hit my uh, run through of the states. Washington State, also another little bit of a sleeper. Yeah. I think maybe we end up just missing out there. Um, but that's going to be the Northwest is going to be super interesting to me. I have a piece going up tomorrow morning, uh, about all the Republic or all the lifelong Democrats who are voting for Republicans for the first time in their lives Mm -hmm. in this cycle and the reasons why. And a lot of the people, a lot of the coverage and what people have been saying are out in, uh, like the Portland area and around Seattle because those people are historically very independent-minded folks. They're out there because it's, you know, kind of uh, former hippie enclaves and whatever. And they don't want the government in their lives. They don't want the man telling them what to do. And now they've had just this, you know, four or so decades of Democrats telling them how to live their lives. And they're kind of having this reset of sorts out there where you're going to end up potentially with a Republican governor of Oregon and a Republican senator from Washington State, which Mm -hmm. is just... 
I mean, if you had told me that at the outset of the cycle, I would have been like, oh, okay, that's ambitious. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, so the the interesting thing, I, I've talked about this previously here, is that real clear politics range, right, and their average gain. Mm-hmm. So it went from, like, the average gain being 19 or 20 seats for the GOP. It's now up to 31 and a half, mm-hmm. which is pretty significant. The range has moved up from plus 12 the bottom of the range is plus 15 now Mm -hmm. to plus 48 being the high end i actually so here's where i want to get into predictions i always love making predictions because then you actually just have something to say whether you were right or wrong about i think you're gonna say you were right whether you well i was right either way because i'll pick both sides of the debate that's what i figured but every time in this case for storm paglia i think we're gonna be at net 50 in the house yeah yeah, because 2010 was 62, I think it was. I looked it up. That was a great night. Oh, man. Great year. Tremendous More year. to the point of, I was a politics nerd. I was an election judge with all the, like, old ladies with their potluck on election day. I was a challenger cycle. that year. Oh, so you, yeah. 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 Um, we didn't have any poll challengers at Holy Spirit Catholic Church polling place. Yeah, I mean, I really wasn't challenging. Mostly. You're a poll watcher. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Did that in 2012, and it was a disaster. That was a fun time. Shout out Mitt Romney for ruining that. Yeah, Mitt Romney. Project um, Orca. Which, by the way, Orca Mitt Romney really, you know, <laughs> screw him for not endorsing Mike Lee out Very of Very restrained comment from me. Um, That's impressive. Everybody knows how I feel about Mitt Romney. We're gonna take. We're gonna get rid of him in twenty twenty four, but for what he's what do you done see in Utah. Him? Yeah. Hmm. What's his name? Uh, the one who took over uh, Mia Love's seat. Um, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. He's spoken uh, uh, Burgess. Yes. Um, yeah. Burgess Owens. Yes. I think he's fantastic. He, can, he has a Super Bowl ring that he let me try on. Yeah, you can make a good run at it. He's, yeah, um, a Super Bowl ring. I mean, anyone besides good. Romney would be a positive. <laughs> uh, not McMuffin, though. No. But, but yeah, so Mike Lee is running against Evan McMuffin, <laughs> and Romney refused to endorse Mike Lee. Which is just the. Not only is. I mean, Mitt Romney has lived in, like, half of the states in the country at this point. Yeah. But, like, first of all, just partisan-wise, a courtesy yeah. to endorse the person in your party who's going to help you get power. Like, it, mm-hmm. does Mitt Romney want to be in the minority forever? Like, does he really not care at all? But it's probably because he has enough friends on the Democrat side of the aisle that exactly. he doesn't care whether he has any power or not because he gets all this fluffy, lovey-dovey nonsense from He's the Democrats. He's just a little piece of is what he is. It's not great. And, yeah, so... I think Mike Lee's going to be okay out in Utah, but, you know. No thanks to Mitt Romney. Exactly. Which makes me very excited for Mike Lee to then endorse Burgess winning primaries. Yeah. Um, Okay. But I'm trying to think. So on your prediction, I think. You think 50 is too high? No, I think you're right. I had, I'm trying to think of how to talk about this. I had off-the-record conversations with some senior house folk. (laughs) Sources are saying. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm not going to blow them up until, I mean, they probably wouldn't even care at this point because it just sounds good. And now it seems like that's what's actually happening. But in my conversations with them, just privately, they were talking about how they saw 25 to 30 as an okay night for Republicans Mm -hmm. and upwards of 40 to 50 would be a great night. So I think... Your estimation is probably in line, especially if Republicans are still being underrepresented in these polls and we're still at 31.5 gain. I just, I don't see us not picking up. And again, like I was talking about earlier, where the NRCC and the DTRIP are putting their money, it just seems like they're Mm -hmm. 
they know they're getting shellacked. Plus, the Democrats, I've been writing about that for almost a month now, about how they've been running out of money and triaging, and they abandoned most of the, like, toss-up open seats in uh-huh. California that they had. And so, I mean, they're not even competitive in what should be a 50-50 coin flip of a seat. They're having to try to defend now Biden t- plus 20 districts. Right. If you're if you're that's retreating rough. to that, it's just that's game over. really rough. Um, and I think that a, a GOP plus 50 night this year would actually, to me, be more impressive of a red wave potentially than the... Uh, the 2010 Tea Party red wave because mm. back then the Democrats had so many seats. We would end up with a larger majority That's true, yeah. now because it's it's basically neck and neck. What is it, like seven that they have the yeah, majority? Yeah, Pelosi does not have much of a majority there. You know, because remember, they were running off those Obama majorities yep. from from his election, oh, wait, yeah. and they had 60 Senate seats. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- this could be a pretty impressive evening. Now, I will say there's still a week to go. I, yep. I definitely wish that the election were today. Um, Same. It, a week is a long time in politics, but I think we're we're in that range right now. So, and I do, I, from what the media has done in the last 48 hours, 72 hours, whatever, they are so desperate to find anything that will try to drag some people back to voting mm-hmm. Democrat that they, obviously with all this Paul Pelosi stuff, but then also like their coverage of what happened down by El Paso along the border with the Venezuelans, mm-hmm. and they were trying to set it up and talking about it exactly as they did Whipgate, which yeah. was completely false. This at least is a thing. But the problem is they were framing it as being a Trump-era policy, which Joe Biden is applying specifically to these people that were kept out of the country as they were assaulting right. Border Patrol agents. And so it's like, they're just, they're so desperate to try to get a, a narrative going that will benefit Democrats. But I just don't know what that could possibly be at this point. Yeah, they're just making shit up. Um, and they're going to continue to do that. And we're going to talk more about the Paul Pelosi thing in a little bit. Because, of course, you know me and my conspiracy theories. There is theories abound. Let's see, a little bit more of uh, prediction time here. So some governor races that have oh, yeah. interesting uh, things. And then we'll get to the Senate because the Senate is the most fun, in I my opinion. I am very excited for my great Midwestern region. Not my home state. A little bit of resurgence. Think, unfortunately, but Wisconsin and Michigan. I, you know, I actually they, do think that Minnesota could. Minnesota could. could. And again, it comes down, does the red wave right. hit Minnesota as hard as it hits other places, but like Minnesota has also elected Al Franken and Jesse Ventura yes. as senator and governor, respectively. So like, and Minnesota, the Democratic Party is not actually the Democratic Party of Minnesota. It's the DFL, the Democratic Farmer Laborer oh, Party. Yeah, I remember you told me so that. So it's affiliated, but not like it's a little bit more immune from stuff. Which mm-hmm. is like having like Ilhan Omar as a congresswoman was kind of a like unnerved a lot of Minnesota Dems because mm-hmm. they're like we don't normally have squad radical progressives here, but I mean Tim Walls did muck up a lot of COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Not as bad, obviously, as like a Cuomo or a Whitmer did, but it did, you know, was a little strict on things that people in Minnesota didn't appreciate because most of the state is not Minneapolis. Right. And so the whole idea that you can't go somewhere was just absurd. Um, What's interesting to me is there hasn't been much polling. No. Um, and the one poll that was done by Trafalgar in mid to late October showed it as a tie. Um Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that's a little bit optimistic, but I think it could be in play. 
I mean, um, it would be a huge deal. The last Republican governor we had in Minnesota was Tim Pawlenty. When I yeah, was I remember Tim Pawlenty. It was like 08, right? Yeah, yeah time for it? it's been a long time. But like you said, the upper Midwest, is that what it's called? The upper, I always call it the upper Midwest, yeah. but I guess it's just the Midwest. Um, Wisconsin the and Michigan North. looking good. Um, Wisconsin, I mm. think, is looking better than Michigan. Tony Evers has overseen a lot of bad policies and a lot of just general chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't do well with COVID, has not done anything on crime. Milwaukee is, which Milwaukee has always been, kind of like Chicago, um, crime-ridden and whatnot. But, uh, who's, yeah. Who's this guy running against him? Tim? Tim, yeah. Is he good? Yeah, the yeah. Trump endorsed candidate. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. Yep, yep, which yep. a lot of people were nervous about yep. in Wisconsin because uh, in the primary, it was Tim up against uh, the main contender he had was Rebecca Clayfish, who had been Scott Walker's lieutenant governor. And so she was yeah. obviously very familiar in the state, former news anchor, sort of a Carrie Lake before Carrie Lake, where she uh-huh. was a news anchor who then got into politics. Um, and so a lot of people were worried when Tim, uh, not a lot, I should say, some people in Wisconsin <laughs> were telling me they were worried um, because they saw sort of a Trump-endorsed candidate as maybe not being able to do as well up against somebody who had already been elected statewide and whatever. But seemingly, it didn't have that ill effect that some were worried about in Wisconsin. What I find interesting circles. is that all these people we were told to be worried about, right? The Trump endorsed people have turned out to be some of the strongest candidates. Herschel Walker, had. Carrie Lake, uh-huh. Tim Michelle's, Doctor Oz. I mean, yeah, you know, like it's Tudor Dixon, JD which Vance. is a great name, great name. I mean, um, yeah, if you look at it, there are a lot of people who, in the primary time, we were warned about, which I think was just mm-hmm. primary politics mostly, and not yeah, actual yeah. concern. Um, but it is interesting to see the base, not just be in it for the primary drama, but to be in it for the long haul through till, you know, next Tuesday, hopefully. Yeah. Which is which looking is at another see. pickup in Oregon, which yeah. could be interesting. <laughs> uh Kansas. I couldn't believe that Kansas had a Republic or a Democrat governor to begin with. Kansas remember Sibelius is that weird places yeah. from there. Kansas has always been there's I mean there's a town in Kansas called Liberal, so mm-hmm. maybe that's part of the problem. I've been there many times. It's not great. Nevada could be a good pickup. Nevada would be great. I think it We've talked about this, I think, on an earlier episode, but seeing how far-reaching the trend of Hispanic voters breaking to the right goes, mm-hmm. because obviously, you know, in the border districts in Texas where they're every day they're being affected by the border crisis and stuff makes them want to vote Republican, to see if that translates into a state like Nevada that isn't technically a border state, but obviously has a lot of the same problems, a lot of crime in Las Vegas and Reno, Carson City. Um, it'll be interesting. And I saved it for last. I think Arizona is going to be the crown jewel of this midterm election. Senate, you I th- mean? I think we're going to sweep that entire state across the board. I think we're going to take the the governor's seat, mm-hmm. Carrie Lake. Oh, yeah. I think we're going to get AG. I think we're going to get Secretary of State, which could have huge implications for what happens in 2024. Yeah. To take a line from Hillary Clinton. We're aiming to steal it, Hillary. <laughs> this time, the steal is on our side, we're not uh, stealing anything. Well, that's what you say, but <laughs> we're not. <laughs> I'm we're gonna the get, good guy. This time, I'm gonna get my own two thousand mules. Oh no! And I'm gonna send them all 2000 out. Two thousand storms. Yes. I can't think of anything scarier to be honest. Scarier, <laughs> but like you said, <laughs> Arizona Senate Blake Masters. Remember, we were told, in no case would <laughs> Carrie Lake or Blake Masters win. Yep. In Arizona. Well, it looks like Carrie Lake's going to win. up by 11. She picked up eight points in two weeks. Masters is tied, even in progressive, uh, yep. like, leftist polling. And that is with Mark Kelly, the Democrat incumbent, 
outspending him something like six to one, depending I, yeah, I think on which it was reporting higher, yeah. period you yeah. look at. And so the fact that he's remotely yeah. competitive should, and that's another one of those races that should scare Democrats in New Hampshire and everywhere else. Because yep. if Democrats are spending that much to try to save a Democrat incumbent in Arizona in a race that they said was going to be a joke mm-hmm. and a shoe-in for the Democrat is yeah, just Kelly was supposed to win nuts. by 10. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be a really good one on election night. And I do think that Carrie Lake's coattails is going to carry. Uh, she drives a lot of enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A, she, a ton, actually. She, and, I mean, she's turned <laughs> into, the be- I, I think, the best candidate of the cycle. I would say that's fair. Yeah. I mean, she's crushing it. And no one has weaponized media bias into a campaign issue as well as she has. Yeah. Because you had, uh, last week, the Fox affiliate in Phoenix, where she used to work, put up a little graphic, a lower third kind of bug showing election results that had Katie Hobbs as the winner declared with a vote total. Yeah. And it's like... What are you doing? And they, of course, were like, this was an error. It was a test of the data we get from the Associated Press. And I'm like, okay, but then why was Katie Hobbs the winner? Yeah. In which AP race test did they have a Republican winning? That's what I want to know. Yeah, usually it's always the Democrats that win in the tests. Because I always look through the test data, um, and that's what happens. They definitely f***ed up in publishing that. But, like, again, it just goes further to the point of, you do these things and it further shakes people's yes faith. You are in Arizona. And, yeah. What are you thinking? Right, right. If you want to inspire confidence in your elections, that is not what you do. <laughs> yeah, and, and Carrie Lake, I mean... And that's also after the Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, who's the Democrat nominee for governor, messed up the ballots yes. and sent the wrong thousands of the wrong ballots to people that didn't have any of the non-federal races on those ballots because there was, she said, a glitch, a data error... Which, okay, mm-hmm. but also your Arizona in the election immediately following 2020, tighten up. Well, yeah, also these, do glitches, these glitches always only go in, like, one direction. Every time. But and Carrie Lake is already bracing for election day shenanigans should they come. Yes, and I do want to get to that story in a moment because I think that's going to be important. But, yeah, I mean, Carrie Lake has really just turned into, like, I think that she could be a big-time star in the party in the future, not just for governor, but for other offices as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I will be the first to admit that I was wrong about her. You were wrong. Um, now, I still think that at the time my concerns were a little bit founded, a little bit founded, but she has quelled all those concerns. Yeah. And uh, she has really grown into being a great candidate, so... Um, still would like an explanation for some of that stuff, but that's okay. It's okay, Carrie. We love you. Donald Trump was a Democrat. Uh, that's also true. He I, was yeah, pro-choice, that, and then he point. spoke at the March for Life, the first president to ever do it. That's when he was in true. office. So very who true. cares what they used to do? He also delivered us we can all the see overturning the light, okay? of Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's true. That's very Everybody wakes up one day. Ronald well, Reagan was a Democrat. I hope. Yeah, well. There were so many. Michelle Bachman was a Democrat. There are literally so many Republicans who went on to deliver just massive wins and successes for conservatives that used to be Democrats. And it's because they see the light. Yeah. Although I feel like that trend is lessening. You know how they always say, like, as you get older, you become more conservative? Yeah. Is this generation going to have that happen to them? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You I mean, know. you know... You, I feel more conservative. You, I don't know. Oh, but from but my job? From your job at yeah. YAF, right? Like, you oh, saw geez. these kids. They're all f***ing psychos. It and was... But here's the thing. For every... Well, not for every. But in... Like... The, I did... A limited ratio. I did, no, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I did... And I spent 
too much time for a sane person at UC Berkeley for somebody who never actually went yeah. to school there. And there are a lot of strong-willed and committed conservatives in the same cesspool of lunatic liberals. Mm-hmm. And so at Berkeley, obviously the ratio is skewed because it's UC Berkeley and they have tree people and everything else. But like it's the same way that at a Liberty University or a Regent University, you have mostly conservative students with a few liberals. There, it's pretty. It's more evenly split than people would think. Mm-hmm. And Democrats have done nothing to make their cause seem cool That's by true. running Joe That's Biden true. and Kamala Harris as like the wave of the future. And like, I have what is that? I have seen some reports that say that the youth. So I guess it's Gen Z, right? Yeah. The young part of Gen Z the is youngest. actually more conservative than millennials. Yeah, that polling stuff always skews weird. Um, yeah. In my experience doing polls at YAF, but what is what is notable, and this is not a commercial, but obviously because <laughs> I worked there for five and a half years, I'm very committed still to the mission of it, and it is insane to me how when young people actually like at a UC Berkeley or any honestly any of the public universities in California are all like this they're just these giant echo chambers mm-hmm. for this radical leftist nonsense and literally all it takes is an hour long lecture not even like 45 minute lecture by a conservative to shake everything in these kids loose and make them be like oh that's not actually how this works and i saw that so many times where there were even there were campuses in LA i think it was Cal State LA where there was a student who showed up to protest and like pulled the fire alarm and locked us and Ben Shapiro in the lecture hall for a while and we had to get like a police escort out of there in one of the craziest events I was ever at. One of the kids who was there protesting, like pulling the fire alarm, screaming, screeching about white supremacy or whatever, ended up being the chairman of the YAF chapter at that school because he ended up hearing what Ben Shapiro said and was like, wait, mm. I've been lied to. And so whatever, any, anytime people are like, the generation is lost, or like, we'll never reach enough, it's like, no, they just need to hear it once, Yeah. and that's enough to change things for the rest of them. But that's my soapbox. I haven't been a spokesman for YAF in a while, but I miss, you know, well, ranting and, and raving about the youths, because it literally just takes, they're never hearing our point of view, so we shouldn't be surprised that they don't support our point of view if they've yeah. never heard it. I guess that's what I worry about, is I don't know how they get... You know, besides, like, a good organization. It's literally like YAF. Yeah. Like, right? YAF is the only way, because who else is going into UC Berkeley and Cal State LA and yeah. Dartmouth, even, and places like this? I think we just need a bigger mass media way of it. But, I mean, us on social media, yeah, just censored. It's just, yeah. just how it goes. Yeah, I mean, maybe the new Twitter is a way, but also I feel like a lot of young people trying to just, like, get yeah. through college and find a career path aren't. Yeah. aren't finding it there. So, yeah. And, I mean, I think that's... We'll see. I think this economic depression is going to change some of their minds when they graduate and can't find jobs but yeah it's a little alarming i mean when you look at like the young people who are involved in occupy wall street during the obama years like Mm. they never really grew out of it and now look at wall street it's all esg woke nonsense and so that is true yeah you gotta gotta get for and against my main point at the beginning there (laughs) terrible (laughs) in terms of terrible it is uh okay so let's get to this senate map right arizona we think red both of us? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Nevada, same. Red. Right. Those are two pickups right off the bat right Bing there. Bong. Uh Washington, I think we narrowly miss. Yeah, so I don't – that's yeah. – I mean, that's a big – Now, but, if it is an R plus six, right? Well, and here's the thing, though, too, is like in New York or Washington or these blue states, if we come within five points, mm-hmm. that is a massively devastating shock to Democrats. Yeah. Even if we don't hold it. But 100%, yes. yep. Utah, I think Mike Lee holds on. Yeah, um, I don't. You know, I don't think that's too much of a problem. There's definitely some rumblings about that, but uh, right after I heard those rumblings, a new poll came out with Lee up ten. Yeah. So I think we're gonna be okay there. Yep. 
Uh, Colorado is probably a little bit out of reach just because the way that the state is changing. It yeah. used to be able to vote Republican. I just don't see it being that way anymore given the inflow of libs to well, Denver particularly. Colorado has gotten unnecessarily messy in what could have been just kind of an even head-to-head between a Republican and a Democrat because the Republican there, like you said, because the state is shifting so much, mm-hmm. is trying to run just barely right of center. Soft, yeah. Um, which I, based on what I know about the guy and like what I've read of his previous stuff, he's farther to the right than what he's saying, which is fair yeah, because you're in yeah. a general election campaign. But then it got so messy because like DeSantis got involved and so Trump attacked DeSantis for it mm-hmm. and then Trump attacked the guy and it's like we should like let's not do that. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's pick up the seats so we have the power. Mm-hmm. And even if he is a little bit squishy, okay, then he joins Murkowski and Collins in the corner and we have them when we like really desperately need them. Mm-hmm. But if I mean, if we end up with, like, 54, if we have two that are kind of squishy, that's better yeah. than having 52 and constantly having the situation Murkowski that Joe Biden's... Murkowski and Collins, yes, yeah, like, yeah. Speaking of Murkowski, that witch that I'll withhold my other insults that I have for her, um, but everybody can guess... Doesn't take much of an imagination if you've listened a, to this for more than one episode. It is a Tuesday, and what will you be doing on next Tuesday? <laughs> we'll see you um, next Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is going to go on up there? Because that's an interesting Okay, question. so I had the great dishonor of covering the special primary and special general election in Alaska mm-hmm. for the at-large House seat where Sarah Palin was running, and ultimately a Democrat won. Uh, and let me tell you, ranked choice voting <laughs> is the sketchiest thing like, more sketchy even than, like, ballot boxes, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Because, so, in Alaska, if you've read our coverage before, this is all repeat history for you, but it passed on a ballot question that was put to voters with the support of people that included Lisa Murkowski's, uh, like, backers in Alaska. And it's basically, it it passed on a ballot question, but just barely, by, like, a couple thousand votes out mm-hmm. of every vote cast, like, not even a full percentage. And so it's not actually that popular in Alaska, but it's now the law. And so this is the first whole cycle they're doing this in. And you don't know any real results for at least two weeks. Yeah. Because they wait until all of the absentee ballots and the military ballots and any that were, like, postmarked by a certain date get in. And then they tabulate that final total. And if nobody cracks 50% on that first round, then they go to the second round that people put. But not everybody votes a full ballot. And you have this issue called, quote-unquote, ballot exhaustion, where people don't vote further down their second, third, fourth choice. And you end up with somebody who doesn't actually... Someone in the party that did not get the majority of votes ending up as the winner. And it is some shady stuff. Well, so here's what I find really interesting. Here's the problem. I should clarify. It's perfectly legal. People of of Alaska voted for this, barely, but they voted for it. It's the law of the land. And there's ranked choice voting in several other states on the ballot this November in Nevada, too. Oh, yes. But in Maine, it's already a thing. In several cities, Mm -hmm. it's a thing. New York, for example, New York City. Um, But just because it's perfectly legal doesn't mean it's a good way to run elections. Yeah. And that's my criticism. I'm not saying that there's... I hate it. Massive front. Well, I hate it too because you don't know anything. And that goes to the whole point of just in general, like trust in elections. Mm-hmm. We need election day, election night. You see the results. If it's really close at the end of the night when you've got all the results, then you do a recount. But it shouldn't be this weeks long thing that then culminates in somebody, like when they did the special general election for the at large, they literally had somebody's cell phone streaming on Facebook Live to the Alaska elections page. And they were just recording a TV screen where they clicked a button. And then it calculated all the second choice votes and showed the Democrat winning. Yeah. And there's just, it's so weird. And again, you it, it 
takes away from the legitimacy of the idea that every person who voted has their vote count because if you only picked your first choice and not a second or third and it goes past that, then your vote actually did not count. Right. Because right. your vote isn't counted in the total. Because there were more Republicans, obviously, who voted in the special general for the Alaska at-large seat, mm-hmm. but a Democrat won. Well, so here, there hasn't been much polling done in the Alaska Senate race, which I find pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been a poll done since the beginning of September. But in the beginning of September, they had Kelly Chewbacca, who's the conservative challenger against Lisa Murkowski at 46, Murkowski at 38, and this uh, Pat Chesbro uh, Democrat at 14. <laughs> right. So conventional wisdom would say that Chewbacca would win at 46, and I just love saying her name now that I actually know how to say it. I'm so proud of you. I thought it was T. Chewbacca for the longest time, but now it's Chewbacca. <laughs> kind of like Chewbacca, but Chewbacca. Uh, yeah. But now I don't understand because they have these three, right? And then it goes to this second round. Right, so that's what I was explaining. So after the first but round... But the three go to the second round? No, only... Only two go to the second only round. Only two end up going into the second round, which is very weird. So basically... But the then first it has round, final round. Mm-hmm. So the first round, like you said, Chewbacca has 46, uh-huh. not 50, so it doesn't crack and win outright. So yeah. then you go to the second round. So everybody on their ballot who filled in their second choice... So if, if those numbers are right... Theoretically, Theoretically, yeah. <laughs> Chesbro <laughs> should be eliminated after the first round because okay. when you move, if you don't crack fifty, so that's the what I was not getting. So essentially, voter, we just go from this to this, basically. Right? Okay, yes, yeah, yeah. and so Chesbro's gone. So you've got Murkowski and Chewbacca at fifty fifty. <laughs> but right, that's so the fourteen percent that are forecast to have voted for Chesbro. Those fourteen percent of votes will be reallocated to the people that those fourteen percent of ballots put as their second choice. Who are definitely going to be mostly Murkowski. Correct. Probably maybe some exhausted through no votes. Correct. Because people will be like, if the Democrat doesn't right. win, I don't care. And then we rejigger the whole thing up. Yes. And, and we so see what the percentage is. So add it up. Murkowski is <laughs> projected to get Yeah. Thirty eight. You add in the fourteen. Fifty two, theoretically. Yep. So fifty. But it could be fifty fifty, because the final round poll is a tie of fifty fifty. Right, but like you just said, I mean, you add, someone's going to win. You add the fourteen to the thirty-eight, you yeah. get fifty-two. That's a win. Murkowski wins. If even though Chewbacca got more first-round ballots, yeah, right. If they all vote for Murkowski, yes. and yeah. I'm sure there will be some. I don't even know. I don't, I can't think of what the situation would be, but I'm sure there will be some second-round votes that go to Chewbacca, um, because there will be people who maybe voted for the Democrat because they are a Democrat or whatever, but. They also do not want the current person to continue mm-hmm. because, I mean, she's been there forever. The and she's Alaska political royalty, allegedly, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So they might give some of their votes to Chewbacca. But as happened in the Alaska at large House race, more of the Democrats' votes went to, um, not Palin, went to Begich. Or, sorry. To Pentola or whatever. Begich yeah. votes went to Peltola. Because they don't they like want. Sarah Palin. Yes. And I do want to talk about that race, but <sighs> before we talk about I, that race... Can you tell we hate ranked choice voting? I can't even really explain it, because it just last it makes thing, no sense. The only thing I want to say about Murkowski is the only cool thing she ever did with her entire political career was win a write-in campaign where the spelling of your complicated last name actually matters yep. for whether the vote counts or not. And she won. <laughs> I forget what year that was. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. Was that 12? I don't even remember. It, I mean, nuts. Yeah. Well, what is it, 22 now, so six years? Was it 2014? Must have been 14. I guess so. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the only cool thing she's ever yeah. done. But if you're looking to misunderstand more of ranked choice voting, I do have a column that I wrote about it like a month ago about how this that's is good the Democrats' yeah. new ridiculous election uh-huh. scheme, basically. Um, and you should, it's very well sourced, so you don't have to trust us. You can mm-hmm. click to the other people who actually know what's happening. Well, and then so this, this as Alaska at large house district, right? Which Trump won the state by <laughs> 10 points. So uh-huh. you'd th- suggest maybe that a Republican would win in this seat, right? Nope. Apparently that could not happen. Nope. I don't understand why this baggage f- <laughs> insists on ruining our lives, but he does. Well, and so this is another case of just like <laughs> messy state Republican Party stuff happening. So yeah. obviously Trump was endorsed by Palin very early on. Palin was also, or sorry, yes. Palin, yeah. Palin endorsed Trump very early, so Trump repaid the favor and endorsed her very early in this race. Nikki Haley also endorsed her. Like, she's got sort of the, like, on the national level, the endorsements of conservatives and Republicans. In Alaska, the state Republican Party endorsed Begich Mm -hmm. over Palin. Begich, I also, if, I don't even know how you would find this because I cover, I wrote about Alaska way too much, but Nick Begich's grandfather was in this seat yeah. until he died or disappeared in a plane that presumably crashed because they never found the plane. They mm-hmm. declared him dead. It was over. So then they held a special election in which Don Young was elected yep. and served for the last, like literally two generations. Yep. And then he died while on a flight back to Alaska. And so now there's a special election. So anyway, Begich is like kind of like Murkowski, the like heir apparent mm-hmm. to the seat because you know, whatever his grandfather held it, etc. Palin obviously doesn't believe in waiting your turn. She's like, I have ideas, I want to run, and obviously has strong support. Mm-hmm. But because of ranked choice voting, she lost and Democrat won. Well, yeah, because Begich is a spoiler, and yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's the whole thing. I, I I hate the whole thing. What does not <laughs> entirely help is Palin, in the special general, said that she would put the Democrat as her second choice, yeah. just as a like spiteful move, which I think well deserved to Nick Begich, because if he had just dropped out, she would have won outright. And then she, yeah, she would have won here. So we'll see what happens. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. It could very well be that the Democrat gets reelected in the House seat and Chewbacca wins the Senate seat. Which, I mean, would be a would weird be outcome, yeah. but great, because we need more Senate seats than House seats at this point. So. Yeah, I agree there. Why um, not? Yeah, it could be interesting. Um, although that Mary Patola, she's Patola. not good. Not good. No, not good, Bob. Oh, let's see. What other states after we went on that Alaska tangent there? Well, Alaska's a mess. Ron John up in Wisconsin's looking good. Uh, Missouri. I mean, Mandela Barnes. Yeah. I don't know how frequently you and Vespa, when Vespa decides to show up for work, have discussed it. <laughs> um, but Honestly. I mean, he's, he's a terrible candidate, and mm. the fact that none of the stuff about him that's now coming out happened yeah. when he was on the ballot for lieutenant governor is very surprising. I understand it's different because now he's running for federal office versus state office, and people in Wisconsin might not care that he went on Russia State Television repeatedly to trash U.S. police officers and law enforcement during Mm -hmm. the Summer of Love, Um, or the fact that he (laughs) used to apparently feel very fondly for the Ayatollah of Iran. Mm, Yeah, that was a good one. Um, That was a good one. But he's a terrible candidate. Yeah. And you've got Ron John, who's like literally a steady hand in the U.S. Senate. Right, and that's actually why I think we didn't spend a whole lot of time on it, even though it's rated as a toss-up. I don't consider it to be a toss-up. I think it's lean GOP, um, and I think that uh, Johnson's going to end up winning by probably somewhere in the region of six to seven, maybe even more. 
But yeah, I mean, uh, th- that guy stinks. What's his name? Mandela Barnes. Yeah, yeah, not not a fan. Um, so I think that that's going to be okay. Uh, people are talking about a shock poll that came out in Iowa showing Grassley only up by like what six? I think it was yeah, the horror. No way. No, that's ridiculous. Uh, Missouri is a slam dunk for us. Uh, people were worried about Ohio. I don't agree with that. I think that's lean GOP, right? You think JD Vance pulls out there? I think so. Um, we do have some breaking election news uh, what now? that I need to save a headline for, but Pennsylvania Supreme Court has ruled that un- improperly dated ballots are not to be counted, Oh, uh, which is a big win on a lawsuit that the RNC and the Republican Party of Pennsylvania had filed a couple weeks ago that I covered. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Maybe this time they'll actually follow the law. That would be a nice change of pace. Right, because this was a huge (laughs) issue because the Pennsylvania Democrats and the state uh, secretary of state, which is confusing because it's a commonwealth, but they have a secretary of state, Mm -hmm. um, had ruled that their decision preempted the Supreme Court, which upheld an earlier court ruling Mm -hmm. that said the law in Pennsylvania for elections is you can't count absentee or mail ballots that aren't properly signed and dated on the external envelope. And they were like, screw the law, we're going to count them anyway. Yep. Yeah, so that's a huge win, if they actually follow the law. Right, so it now, now requires, basically <laughs> the, the ruling is that the Pennsylvania County, County Boards of Elections are hereby ordered to refrain from counting any absentee or mail-in ballots received for the general election that are contained in undated or incorrectly dated outer envelopes. Mm. Um, which, again, is a big win, because it just means that there's actually going to be some scrutiny on what ballots are coming in and whether they're properly completed or not. Yeah. We'll see if they actually follow the law, because last time they just counted the votes anyway. Um, all right, so last few Senate seats that we have here. God, why? A third of the Senate is so much. Oh, okay, so back to Ohio. Oh, wait. Yes? J.D. Vance? I think so. Yeah? I, I think I think he pulls it out in the end. I think he's going to win by over five. People have been concerned about this for a while. Um, but I think that Tim Ryan is very obviously, you know, uh, uh, Biden flack, even though he ran as he's not. And he um, claimed scheduling conflicts when Biden came to campaign earlier. Yeah, and essentially tried to act as if he was a Republican, but he, everybody knows that he's not. So I think that's going to be an easy one. Uh, North Carolina, same thing. I think yep. Bud's going to win that by a, a decent margin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida, Rubio's going to crush it. Yes. Um, so yeah, yeah, Val Demings had Joe Biden show up today for her, and I'm like, "What are you thinking?" Yeah, that was that's not just, great. That's just crazy. And I think um, Hugh Hewitt and I tweeted back and forth on it a few times, but it's basically like the Biden campaign visits are courtesies to Joe Biden so he can save face in races where they know they don't have a chance. Right. Uh, and that is Val Demings attempting to that's run true, yeah. in Florida because like they need to. Joe Biden needs to be somewhere on the trail, so that way all of the hits, which we've landed several of him being avoided by candidates from his own party or him just not even going to key states, are bad, obviously, for the president's brand ahead of 24. But, like, when you're Val Demings, you have nothing to lose at that point because you've already lost. Yeah, she's going to get crushed by over 10. Um, One thing we didn't talk about was the Florida governor's race. Mm. We were talking about this earlier, uh, setting the over-under... At 14 and a half for the margin of victory for Ron DeSantis. You said over. I said over. I'll take over as well. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think, going to be the biggest victory of the cycle. 
Uh, I think even the Democrats who fled to Florida from California, New York, Illinois, wherever, I think they're going to even vote for him. Because, I mean, Charlie Crist is just a wet noodle of a candidate yeah, who he's the worst. has flip-flopped on literally everything. You never know what you're going to get when you vote for him. This like He could be a Democrat this year and go back to being a Republican in two years. He can't at this point, but he could try. Yep. And he's he, he's a disaster. And all he's... His main attacks in his, like, stump speeches and stuff that I've covered are just referring to Death Santis and, like, literally tried to compare Ron DeSantis to Satan and himself to Jesus. Yeah, not exactly. And I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Uh, what else do we got here? So we talked about New Hampshire a little bit. Yeah. That's, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we will pick up that seat, that Bullock will win. Are you skeptical of that, or what do you uh. think? I'm a little skeptical. There was some money that was pulled out earlier on, uh, but then other groups just flooded it with yeah. money again, like millions of dollars. And mm-hmm. so I think I think there's a chance. It's just, again, it's kind of like one of those things where obviously there's about to be a red wave. Is it a is it like a really good night for Republicans, or is it a tremendous exceptional night? Yeah. And I think we could be looking at a tremendous exceptional night. Well, and I think New Hampshire voters are also like way more independent generally than most places mm-hmm. and at this point if you haven't already committed to voting for the incumbent chances are you're gonna vote against or stay home yeah that's true i mean you know well, that's another problem that a lot of the pollsters aren't looking at is like okay so when you're asking people are they undecided or whatever you know how many of those people are just gonna say Ugh, i'm not voting or show right. up to vote but not vote in that race and the general rule for incumbents is if you're under 50 percent you're in very bad danger. Some deep doo <laughs> Yeah. Um, Connecticut is on here as a leans dem, uh, Danang Dick. Um, I Has think... he ended Finsta yet? Do we know? <laughs> yeah. That man. That was one of the worst, like, uh, just cringiest moments of in the Senate ever, besides when someone asked how you hook up an internet router, essentially. <laughs> I think he'll end up probably fending off that challenger there. But again, I, I, I feel like it's very interesting that we're talking about, you know, Connecticut and Washington State being potentially in play for the Senate. And that was not in the calculation any time, no. you know, before now, essentially. Okay, so, of course, the two main stars of the show in the Senate. <laughs> uh, Georgia will do that first. Oh, boy. Uh, runoff or no runoff? Uh Probably a runoff, just because yeah. these people love the drama down in Georgia. They really do. But if it doesn't control the, the or if it doesn't decide control, that is then it's less. Be huge. <laughs> yeah. Because if somehow all of Storm and I's very optimistic red tsunami projections <laughs> don't happen, and we're sitting at a place again where Georgia is going to determine whether it's a tie or not, or oh. the Democrat majority, um, there will be so much money spent in Georgia then. Uh, in the runoff, which is basically just a month later, instead of being in January, this mm-hmm. year will be in December, which is great news because it'll only ruin our Thanksgivings and not our Christmases. Mm-hmm. Um, I if don't. It doesn't determine control. People are barely going to blink. Like I'm sure yeah, some Democrat yep. campaign committees will put some money in to try to save an incumbent, just out of the courtesy that comes with being an incumbent. I see Republicans being way more aggressive and trying to just get one more. Yeah. Um, I think that it is going to end up in a runoff, but I could see a situation where we just barely eke out that 50% hmm. if Kemp's coattails are strong enough to draw Walker up with him. That's fair. Um, I mean, the other Republican statewide candidates, I mean, some of them are up by like 17 points. I can't remember if it's the... It's Raffensperger because yeah. he's got all that Dem votes with him. Don't get me started on that guy. Yeah, okay, we didn't um, even mention that. Yeah, we're going to anyway, stay so I mean, there's, like, there are, <laughs> there's a there's a shot that Kemp can lift him. 
Oh, yeah, I agree. I think he could just barely eke it out. I do think it will, in the end, go to a runoff. He'll just barely miss that 50%, but I don't think it's going to be for control, so it won't be as important. Which um, is great. Georgia had way too much power. Really, yeah. <laughs> 2020. And if it, does, if it does go to a runoff where it's not deciding control, mm-hmm. odds Trump announces he's running for president right after the midterms <laughs> are 98.6%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we'll see. That's going to get very interesting quickly. But if that is, if it is deciding control, he could not announce until afterwards. Or he could so. announce beforehand and do a repeat of 2020 again. Let's not and say we <laughs> They're did. They're going to steal it. How about that? Again. <laughs> yeah. Um, would prefer strongly not to be in that situation. Uh, Pennsylvania. The Keystone State. The key to the Senate majority. Oz wins. Yeah. Yeah? Yep. I mean, how could they elect Fetterman after that? You know, but I mean, the Democrats have elected a lot of bad candidates before. Yeah, but even if you, if you look at the poll that was done right afterwards, mm-hmm. and you wrote about this. Right? Yeah, there were yeah. four in a row with Oz in the lead. Yeah, two or so three points. Um, and the ones fluke. the ones who were asked, "Did you watch it? And how did it affect your opinion?" That he was just a bloodbath. Yes, which so, is why Oz has been driving a billboard truck around Pennsylvania replaying the debate. Yep. So I think that's going to be a Brilliant. good one. I think that's going to be an early early indicator of how the election night's going to go. Now they're already saying, uh, to piggyback on the Supreme Court ruling, well, we don't know how long it's going to take to count the votes, which is mm. ridiculous. Um, and we also have to keep in mind the Philadelphia fraud machine, which has been going for centuries at this point yeah i think election (laughs) night the early again it depends on how long it takes pennsylvania to get its act in gear and figure out how it's counting ballots and whatnot but Mm -hmm. i think the like looking at what's happening in new hampshire like we noted yeah because i mean if like they close is an early is just crushing it early on Mm -hmm. in new Hampshire. i mean that is a huge good sign but then you know new hampshire pennsylvania to an extent, maybe North Carolina to see how Virginia. big the run goes up there. Virginia, because well, Virginia counts votes quickly, and we God. have the swing districts in Virginia two, uh, Virginia seven, and to a lesser extent Virginia ten. Mm-hmm. But Virginia two and seven, if those start swinging back red, and, and we get Republicans in those seats, it's going to be a good night. Oh yeah. Because that was what that was, you know that was their their blue wave back in eighteen. Mm-hmm. If we could take those seats back, that'll be a good indicator. At least that's yeah. where I'm kind of looking a little early. But I agree, yeah. New Hampshire, um, Pennsylvania, Georgia, because it's going to be the rural Pennsylvania areas. Yes, because the cities are going to be slow as. Yep. So. Oh yeah, I mean that could be, who knows? Could be days. We'll be, I'll be laying on the floor in my office at three a.m. waiting for a ballot drop. Yep. Well, hopefully we can get Nevada and Arizona in and just be like, all right, we're good to go. Um, that would be tremendous. All right. Any other races we missed? I think we got them all, right? A um, couple uh, news items here that I wanted to talk about. One you wrote about, who's Carrie Lake bringing in for her oh, legal team? Yes. Harmeet Dillon was announced to be leading uh, the Carrie Lake campaign's Election Day legal efforts, which is fantastic. Um, Harmeet is somebody who, whether she's in her duties as the chair of the Republican National Lawyers Association or running the Center for American Liberty, which is uh, like a public interest law firm, uh, represented Andy No and a lot of other people, sort of her First Amendment stuff, or her work at Dillon Law Group, where she sued everyone in California with a D after their name to make sure that they were applying the laws equally during COVID. Mm-hmm. She 
will crush it. She's also very strong on election integrity, which is great. Yes. Um, yep. And obviously is going to be there. Any Anything kind of sketchy. Basically, Carrie Lake's preparing in case Maricopa wants to pull their shit again, that uh, she's ready for it this time. Yeah. Um, you can tell the difference between a spokesman and a storm man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We both um, said the same thing. I just said very it. Very different way. Very different way. <laughs> See, that's, that's why it works well together. Maricopa. <laughs> I'm going to buy you, I don't even know if they sell it, but I'm going to find like some Maricopa tourist place online and just buy you all the Maricopa County merch. You know who I miss? Sheriff Joe. Oh. Yeah. Ohio, yeah. My man, Sheriff Joe. Is he um, the one that had his, like, people in his jail doing hard labor under the hot sun? <laughs> don't threaten me with a good policy, okay? Gosh. I was just saying the other day, I think we need to bring back hard labor, so <laughs> it kind of matches up. Um, oh. Arizona Senate... Uh, the Libertarian candidate, for once, yes, I had to bring this up, for once, has done a solid for us. Credit where it's due, for once. Because they, we were just talking about how the Libertarians <laughs> always f*** it up for us. <laughs> now, uh, Libertarian Mark Victor, in, who was running in for U.S. Senate in Arizona, has dropped out and given his enthusiastic endorsement to Blake Masters. Victor which, was polling at two percent, which could be the margin. Yep, hundred percent. I mean, how many times we were we were just talking about this? How many times? Oh, was the libertarian margin the exact margin of the race? Or the least, libertarian vote share? At least three campaigns I've worked in my lifetime. Yep. That was yep. the case. And I was like, really? If it is here in Virginia once. Yep. When, was was the it one, the Cuccinelli that, race? Yep, that was yeah. what I was thinking yeah. of. <laughs> yep. Um, and then one at home and one... Where's the other one? Wisconsin, I think? Yes. I, even, I think it was the Walker race, right? I just... I don't even know. Yeah. My, I block out most of that from my memory. Yeah, you got to. All right. We haven't talked much about Stacey Abrams uh, because Brian Kemp is just destroying <laughs> her. Destroying her. But another race where the libertarian is just living up or down, I guess, to every stereotype of a libertarian candidate. Because in that debate, he was... He was off the rails. Insufferable. Oh, man. Well, I didn't watch the debate, but I heard of a clip of this debate uh, where Stacey Abrams basically took a nasty shot at Georgia law enforcement. Uh Let's roll that clip. So no, I don't have 107 sheriffs who want to be able to take black people off the streets, who want to be able to go without accountability. My question is, does she realize how many sheriffs in Georgia are probably black? She No, of course <laughs> yeah. she doesn't. Yeah. Um, and she's losing by like no. 10. No, um, she's nuts. I mean, you had Democrat groups pulling funding from that race over a month ago. Yep. More than a month ago well over a month ago and i mean she's it's the same thing again which is it's so ironic to me that so many democrats have left her high and dry there were like the normal like big you know democrat celebrity surrogates who showed up and whatever that did nothing the last time she tried this um but like the same democrats that propped her up and remember that like washington post photo shoot yeah. of her in the white cape and the fan oh, and the smoke God. and yeah. whatever and all these people that were like she herself made georgia a blue state and now she can't even win a statewide election in Georgia. Yeah. Like, clearly that was all bunk, which we knew. Uh, but well, she, she, you know, they, for lack of a better term, uh, rigged up the Warnock election last time, <laughs> which then resulted in the Republicans passing an election integrity bill. Yep. Right. So which is literally Jim Eagle or Jim Crow two point Yeah. In the way that it created record turnout so far. In this cycle, that's Primary actually the thing that worries me. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but she did all that 
didn't even benefit herself. No. And now she's screwed. Yep. And probably after she loses this, I mean, I don't know, maybe they'll find another useful idiot position for her, you know, maybe DNC chair. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, fit, that right? would be unsurprising. And what Jeez. I found most oh. interesting that I found this, uh, I saw this stat this morning. The Democrats raised something like $100 million between Beto <laughs> and and Stacey Abrams. Oh. And neither of them is going <laughs> to come within 10 points of winning their election. Beto. <laughs> so. That sounds about right. Uh, you wrote about this this morning. Ron DeSantis released a very cool uh, final TV ad of the yeah. midterm campaign. It was uh, so nice because it wasn't the aggressive yelling that's been coming through my television whenever I regrettably turn it on. Uh, it's just like this very optimistic. It's literally just like it starts with just piano playing America the Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it shows all these scenes of like the sunny Florida coast and a teacher in a classroom with cute little Floridian kids and like law enforcement officers, whatever. And basically it's this understated way of pointing out all of the priorities and accomplishments that he's made, whether it's conserving natural resources or investing in law enforcement, attracting law enforcement officers to Florida where they'll have funding and the support of the governor uh, protecting parents' rights and protecting students from crazy teachers and everything else. And then it's just basically him saying, we're going to keep Florida free. And it's like, what a closing argument. Yes. Like, please, more of Ron DeSantis's. Well, that's how you know you're really winning. Yes. Is when he's you don't have to go negative. No, <laughs> he's not punching down You can just all. go full positive. That's no. how you know you're winning an and election. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's fantastic. Speaking of other elections, the Israeli elections were today. Had to get this mentioned in. Jumping over several oceans. Very excited about this possibility. Very excited about this. In three, all three major exit polls, and we all know how Israel does their their elections, really wild going on over there. This is, I think, the fifth election in six years. Yeah, they do a lot of those. Member... Uh, BB lost, BB lost, BB lost, but remained prime minister because they could not come to a consensus. Then he was kicked out through some backdoor bullshit dealing, right? <laughs> well, it looks like our man BB might be back because according to exit polls, this is not official vote tabulations yet. We should have some of those tonight. Mm-hmm. But all three exit polls show that he will be able to put together a coalition of 62 to 63 seats, which would be the majority, uh, bringing back the right wing to power in Israel, uh, which makes me very happy. So hopefully that uh, is what happens. Um, and I was just saying this to you earlier. Wouldn't it be interesting if after all of this we come full circle and BB comes back into Israel, <laughs> and Trump comes back to lead the United States Major again, deja vu. and we're just back to 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to live through another pandemic, so can we not uh, go back to 2016? This time we'll no we'll take virus. care of the Chinese. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean the math seems if the exit polling is right, they have him at 62. It's 120 yeah. seats in uh, their government, and I think need 61. The, the current like interim. Prime Minister, he was only forecast to get, what was it, like 20-some seats? Yeah. And the total then that's left, even if he united every single other person to his side against Netanyahu, would still only be like 50-something against 60-something. Well, so the biggest, apparently the biggest increase in the right-wing bloc would be for the the Zionists, which is the extreme, extreme right-wing. It would be the largest growth of the extreme right-wing in Israel. You know what? Maybe they... Honestly, when you have... The Iranians, thanks to Joe Biden, about to get a nuke. Exactly. And they're already yep. proving their abilities because they're giving Russia all their weapons that they're using in Ukraine. 
I would want the most extreme protect Israel at all costs people running the country. Oh, 100%. I mean, and, and, and Bibi's just being proven right. Yes. Uh, of all of he his security policies. He spent his stuff. entire time as prime minister warning about exactly this. Yep. And the Obama administration ignored him. The Biden administration has ignored his warnings. And now look at what you got. So, you have, you, again, this is another rabbit trail. Sorry to our listeners. This is turning into a... This is a mega episode. A mega MAGA trickle-down episode. <laughs> nice. Um, the fact that the United States, in its negotiations with Iran, trying to revive the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the Iran nuclear deal, is using the Russians to negotiate on our behalf mm-hmm. with Iran, while Russia is providing kamikaze drones and all these other weapons to russia to attack ukraine while we are putting billions of dollars trillions of dollars who knows lots of dollars <laughs> into you sending all of our stuff to ukraine to fight the russians which are actually fighting the iranians weaponry is just the most joe biden situation and we could be in while today the warning comes out that <laughs> oh, yeah Iran may stage a major terror attack against us and or Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Great. It's, it's just great. It's <laughs> fine. We're about to give them nukes and they're like, oh, we're going to blow you up. And we're like, here's a nuke for your trouble. Yeah. Like, can I offer you a nuke in this trying time? What you need heck? it in suitcase size. So you yeah. can smuggle it into the subway in New York. Like, Bring it across the southern border. We already got how many people on the terror watch list coming across? It's going to be like Sicario. Oh, jeez. Remember that? I got to buy guns. <laughs> Tell me about it. Um... I don't know if that's not going to help me against a dirty bomb, but I like the thought it of it. It makes you feel better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Two stories to hear before we wrap up. Uh, Twitter takeover Ugh. happened on Thursday? Thursday night, yeah. Thursday night. Yep. After we recorded last week. Mm. Um, Poor timing on your part. It was. It was like right as the episode was coming out, the Twitter freaking <laughs> show began, where it was, you know, Night of the Long Knives, essentially, <laughs> where Elon just came out there and just, just, or wait, no, is that the wrong analogy? Saturday Night Massacre was the one I was looking okay. for. Either one works. <laughs> Kanye, you know, we're, we're in the same vein here. Uh, <laughs> you missed my Kanye talk last week, uh, by the way. It was a good one. God, I, that. <laughs> I don't want to hear So your, Saturday no. Night Massacre is what I meant. He took out all the C-suite. And yeah, he got rid of the... Took out the board of directors, took yep, the trash CEO, to the curb. CFO, most notably the woman who is in charge of their like community standards, which yeah. is just liberal nonsense for censorship director, um, got rid of her. And she's the one that was like the driving force who backed up the decision to give Trump a lifetime ban from Twitter. Uh, so that was a delightful and bit she's of gone. news. Yeah, she gone. Um, which also, if you go on the site today, I wrote a story based on the Intercepts report on how DHS was colluding with big tech to censor conservatives. Mm-hmm. And the same woman who was behind the Twitter lifetime ban of Trump uh, was very involved in Twitter's working relationship with the Biden DHS to stifle and throttle and suppress content that they found inconvenient. Yep. Another, quote, conspiracy theory. Turned out. Proven to be 100% correct. Totally true. Joe Biden and big tech colluding. Yep. The real collusion was always them. Yes. Uh, my favorite take of this whole Twitter thing this weekend uh, out of the liberals is that apparently uh, this one liberal considers himself to be, quote, like a Ukrainian. Yeah. Because he's staying strong and holding his ground on Twitter. Yeah. Having uh, a Twitter account now makes you as brave as a Ukrainian facing down Iranian kamikaze drones. I don't mm. It's a good one. So. But Taylor Lorenz said the gates of hell have opened. And yeah. I was like, well, that happened when you got on here. So, But yeah, the DHS censorship stuff, these documents, uh, it's very bad. Very bad. 
We now have Ted Cruz calling for Mayorkas to be impeached. Um, <laughs> Good. So we'll see what happens. Um, it goes back to the whole disinformation board. Do you remember that? Yeah, which is, um, if you remember at the time when that very publicly imploded, because, I mean, it was everyone was attacking it. It was just not going well. And even Democrats in the Senate were calling out uh, Mayorkas for lying <laughs> to them mm-hmm. about what it was doing and whether it was active already or not. And conservatives at the time, rightfully, were like, okay, so they killed this board and reassigned all the staff, but you think they're going to stop? Of course not. And this whole report proved that they had not stopped, and they're just continuing. Yeah. And they, I'm good. The, the fact that there was a specific portal on the internet set up by Facebook for only government employees to be able to go in and submit information that they believe to be disinformation to, like, fast-track it to be shut down mm-hmm. is, like, there's no greater proof of collusion than that. And yeah. all these, there were all these text messages, people, you can read my thing, it's on the site, but it's like, they were basically, all these internal DHS conversations were like, we need to get big tech comfortable with the government, which means right. we need to get them comfortable with us telling them what to do, because of course the First Amendment prohibits the government from officially doing this, but if they can bully through just the fact that it's the federal government asking these tech companies to do it under the threat, theoretically, of regulation or getting rid of Section 230, whatever, you're just doing a runaround on the First Amendment to suppress Americans' rights. Yep, and and I love the the best reaction from the whole Elon Twitter takeover thing, is they're like, well, Elon can't do this. This isn't fair, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, a big tech platform being totally against you and and crushing your thoughts and and oh my god, wh- how could that happen? It reminds me of that meme where they're at the gallows and they look over and go, first time. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's like, oh, welcome to what it's like, like to be a conservative, only... where you have the entirety of the internet. The internet, entertainment, financial system. media, financial systems, <laughs> major corporations, academia, government, Health. healthcare. <laughs> you, the world is against conservatives, yeah. and Democrats have Elon Musk tweeting funny stuff, and yeah. they're like, it's all over, the republic is dead, but they don't call it a republic, they think it's a democracy. Democracy, oh my god, how Idiots. many times do you have to say that? Well, it's a I republic, know. so... <sighs> <sighs> all right, Fire uh, that was Meg episode. One last thing we have to hit very shortly before we wrap up the show. I'm going to leave the in-depth discussion on this for Thursday when I get my conspiracy pal back in Matt. Oh, no. The Paul Pelosi incident. I want to come back for that. All right. You could come back for that okay. then. I so just, we'll talk about I that on Thursday. I might not say anything. I just want to hear it first <laughs> so I know well, what to expect. As everybody can guess, I have some thoughts. Save it for Thursday. We're going to save it for Thursday. There's more to the story than they are telling you. And if all of the people in the left-wing media are saying the same thing at the same time, that tells you one thing. Can I suggest that the episode title for Thursday is Hammer Time? Hammer Time. Pelosi's getting hammered in more ways than one. It's not his first time. (laughs) There you go. No security system. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't add up. We're going to talk about it on Thursday, folks, as usual. And you're going to want that uncensored. This one's uncensored was pretty good, but that uncensored will be all-time great. Maybe finally, after how many years of 400-something episodes of this show, maybe we'll finally get canceled. We'll see. But uh, if you want to get it uncensored, guarantee you, money-back guarantee, nobody gets this besides triggered listeners. So go to townhallvip.com and become a VIP member there. Use promo code SAVEAMERICA for 40% off. Uh, get into this exclusive club of patriots. You'll be funding us directly here on Triggered. You'll get access to a literal metric ton of 
Honestly, the amount of content that you will get access to will blow you away just like Paul Pelosi's oh, skull. No. So <laughs> you'll get no. VIP columns, videos, podcasts from Matt, Kurt, Katie, Spencer. The whole list goes on and on. Townhallvip.com. Use promo code SAVEAMERICA, 40% off. Thank you to all of you who are VIP members. Some of you have been with us uh, since day one of the VIP program when we launched it three years ago this week. Uh, so that means the world to us here at Town Hall, especially to me uh, being in charge of that program. So we love you. We love all of our Triggered listeners. If you'd like to reach out, email us, triggered at townhall.com, and we will be back here on Thursday for another episode of Triggered.